Hello, this is Jennifer Griffiths, Managing Editor of Analytical Chemistry. Welcome to our April podcast. Organic aerosols are a significant fraction of the total atmospheric mass of fine aerosols, which can have effects on visibility, climate, and health. Studying the molecular composition of these particles is a challenge because ambient organic aerosol often contains hundreds of compounds from diverse chemical classes. In our April 1st cover article, James Zahardis, Scott Geddes, and Giuseppe Petrucci describe soft ionization mass spectrometry methods to study organic aerosols. I have Petrucci here on the phone to tell us more about the article. Hello, Giuseppe. Hi, Jen. So first, why is it important to study organic aerosols? Well, atmospheric aerosols can impact climate change, for example, mainly by scattering or absorbing solar radiation, and they can do this directly or indirectly by forming cloud droplets and ice particles, for example, which then scatter the light, of course. Overall, we believe nowadays that the net effect due to these aerosols is likely global dimming, if you will, or cooling, partly balancing the global warming effects of the gases that we're all familiar with. And as far as organic aerosols specifically, until about 10 years ago, the scientific community really didn't put much emphasis on organic aerosols from this perspective anyway, for several reasons. And maybe the biggest reason was that there was a general lack of analytical instrumentation to analyze these small particles, which were very complex chemically. And we wanted to do that with a high temporal resolution, that being on the order of a few minutes. And in the last decade or so, we've discovered that there's a lot of organic mass, in fact, in these aerosols, especially fine particles. And these fine particles are the ones that have diameters of about 2.5 micrometers or less. And in these particles, organics can contribute up to about 90% of the aerosol mass. So we know that they're important. And unlike inorganic particles, and I tend to use aerosols and particles interchangeably, but by definition, an aerosol is particles dispersed in a gas but now the community just tends to talk about aerosols as particles. And unlike these inorganic particles, though, which are relatively simple chemical mixtures, a typical organic aerosol particle in the atmosphere can contain hundreds, if not thousands, of different chemical compounds. So as you can imagine, this makes describing and understanding their atmospheric formation, the aging, and the possible impact that they can have very challenging. And even more challenging questions exist regarding the roles of these organic particles in the formation of clouds. You know, we have a decent handle on the absorption of radiation and the scattering of radiation. But when we think that these particles can actually nucleate, that is to form cloud droplets, and then the properties of these clouds, such as the lifetime and rainout, depend very much on how many seed particles or organic particles there were to begin with. So in the past, the studies have focused on the role of the particle size in activating a particle to become a cloud droplet. And only now are we beginning to fully, I think, appreciate the role of chemistry in this process. So in a nutshell, we know that organic particles contribute significantly to the formation of clouds. Typically, these clouds have smaller droplets. So even though we get more clouds, we actually have decreased precipitation and enhanced cloud lifetime. So from a climate perspective, you can see there's a whole range of reasons why these are important. I'll just mention that, of course, we breathe these particles. So there are pressing questions on the possible health impacts of these fine organic particles. Because of their size, these fine particles can really get much deeper into the lungs, so their clearance is typically really delayed. So the clearance time for these particles can be very long, 
and these potentially toxic compounds can be retained for quite long periods in the lung. It's very likely that the particular organic species then in these ambient particles can contribute to uh, some detrimental health effects. And so now that we got this realization, if you will, that the organics are important and we need to better appreciate the impact of these organic particles on global and human health, there's really a significant effort that's been made in about the past decade or so to develop new instruments that can tackle this, what I think is a huge analytical challenge. And arguably, the approach that's meeting with the greatest success so far is one based on mass spectrometry or aerosol mass spectrometry. So then what advantages does soft ionization mass spectrometry in general have over other techniques for studying these aerosols? Well, First of all, we have to think that aerosol mass spectrometers in general, regardless of whether we're talking about hard ionization or soft ionization, have the primary advantages that they permit the analysis of these particles online. So there's no issues with artifacts, if you will. We can do this online in real time or in near real time. And the fast temporal response is critical because we need to make sure that we're capturing, at least from the atmospheric perspective, from climate change, that we're capturing the atmospheric variability, chemical and physical, of these particles. And that variability can and usually is lost if we use conventional methods of bulk analysis. So if we think about aerosol mass spectrometers, on the other hand, as you said, there are some advantages to soft ionization, but I really find it difficult to compare the two because they're two distinct beasts and they have very complementary characteristics, that is soft ionization and hard ionization. So, for example, the Aerodyne Aerosol Mass Spectrometer, or Aerodyne AMS, is really the workhorse of this type of instrumentation in the field, and there are numerous, I don't remember the number, but numerous of these instruments in the field that are being used every day, and it's a hard electron impact ionization method that is used here in that particular instrument, and it's an excellent instrument for giving information on atomic ratios, for example, oxygen to carbon ratio, and from that ratio, we can have a good indication of what the atmospheric oxidation has been for that particular aerosol parcel. As I say, this is a workhorse in this research area. It's really allowed us to make the headway we have in terms of organic aerosol analysis, and I can't overstate the phenomenal impact it's had in advancing this field. But this type of hard ionization mass spectrometry, though, gives you very little molecular level information. So while we can get these global chemical pictures, if you will, we really lose information about the molecules. And that's what is uh, the forte of soft ionization, aerosol mass spectrometry. So here we tend to use a very gentle means of ionizing the uh, compounds within the particle, and we want to do this with minimizing molecular fragmentation. And this gives us a much clearer and a direct chemical picture of these particles. And this is extremely useful if we want to identify key chemical players, for example, in the formation of these particles in the atmosphere or in their processing or aging within the atmosphere. And being able to target individual compounds within these particles, so again, keep in mind that there's hundreds, if not thousands, of compounds in these particles. If we get any molecular fragmentation, we quickly have a mess of a mass spectrum that we really can't deconvolute very easily. So having the soft ionization capability also allows us to track the chemical composition of the particles during their atmospheric lifetime. And this, I think, is likely going to be critical to describe the link between the chemical composition, now I'm talking about molecular level 
detail of the chemical composition of these ambient organic particles and their ultimate optical properties or their potential behavior as atmospheric nuclei for cloud and ice formation or their potential impacts on human health. So the primary advantage, if we want to call it an advantage of soft ionization, is it gives us a snapshot into the molecular level composition of the particles. Could you describe a few of the MS techniques and their applications in a little more detail? Well, if we think about aerosol mass spectrometers that use soft ionization, we can think about them in two flavors, if you will. That is, those that are based on chemical ionization and those that use photonic or optical ionization. For the chemical ionization instruments, they produce molecular ions, meaning ions of the molecule without any fragmentation. And this is typically done by reaction of the vaporized particles, so the gas phase components of the particle, with some reagent gas ions. And there's a myriad of different ions that are used that have different sensitivities for different chemical classes, but the most used mechanism is actually proton transfer reaction. And PTR, as it's called, is a commercial instrument that has been used in the past to do soft ionization of chemical components. And one of the most promising methods in this chemical ionization genre that was recently developed by Holtzinger and his group is a thermal desorption proton transfer reaction mass spectrometer. And here what they do is the aerosol particles are collected in a specialized cell that also serves as a thermal desorption cell. And this thermal desorption cell can gradually vaporize or desorb the collected particles into the PTRMS for chemical analysis. And this is really very useful to determine the volatility of the chemical components that are in the collected particles. And very recently, actually, the same group integrated a high-resolution mass spectrometer to their thermal desorption cell and chemical ionization system, and this permitted them to determine exact molecular formulas. Now, because, again, if we think about hundreds to thousands of compounds within the particle, we really need to have some relatively high-resolution mass spectrometry there to deconvolute that spectrum, even though we're not getting any molecular fragmentation. So this instrument is also equipped with a gas inlet, and this may seem a minor point, but it's actually critical because this gas inlet allows the combined measurement of both the particle phase and the gas phase. And this is critical to analyze the semi-volatile compounds because compounds don't simply go to the particle or stay in the gas phase. The semi-volatile compounds have some intermediate volatility where they actually partition between the two phases under atmospheric conditions. And it's important to know what the extent of that partitioning is. That is, do those compounds spend most of the time in the particle or is the greater concentration in the gas phase? And really to show the power of this method in a recent laboratory study, uh, Holtzinger and his co-workers used the instrument to quantify about 80% of the compounds in secondary organic aerosol particles. And this is a, just a phenomenal feat because to measure, to be able to identify and quantify, that's the important part here, I think, 80% of the compounds is huge. And They've had this great success in the lab, but I, I mean, I want to stress that they've also taken this instrument to the field. It's not relegated to the laboratory. And in fact, it was used fairly recently to characterize real particles in the atmosphere at a site in Austria. And Holtzinger and his co-workers were able to detect and, again, quantify 638 individual organic compounds. 
And using the high-resolution mass spectrometer, they were able to assign empirical formulas to about 464 of these compounds. And this is an achievement that simply would not be possible with a hard ionization source, again, because of the extensive fragmentation. So chemical ionization is really starting to make an impact, even though we have a limited number of instruments that operate on that principle. The other class is the one that uses photons to gently ionize these organic compounds, and it's also meeting with quite considerable success. And here the predominant mechanism is simply photoionization, usually by a single photon in the vacuum ultraviolet region of the electromagnetic spectrum. That's about 110 to 150 nanometers or so. And absorption of one photon imparts enough energy on the gas phase analyte molecules to ionize them, but not enough to fragment them. And there are several ways to generate these photons, and that's not really important for this discussion. But often these methods use, these single photon ionization methods, use uh, two different lasers. The first is an infrared laser to vaporize the particles, and that's followed by a pulse from the vacuum ultraviolet source. And again, this method of using a single photon to ionize the molecules, again, keeping the molecules intact, it's been critically important in the laboratory to understand the formation and the growth of secondary organic particles, including for the first time we saw the formation, we, I mean, the community saw the formation of high molecular weight oligomers. And again, this is something that simply would not be possible by hard ionization methods, which would just fragment these oligomers and we would lose that chemical information. I suppose I could point out one particular instrument, and this is the so-called photoionization aerosol mass spectrometer, or the PIAMS, that was developed by Murray Johnston at the University of Delaware. And he's using it to make extensive measurements in the laboratory, but he's also taken it in the field to look at real atmospheric particles. So again, here we have these instruments that are making the progression as they need to from the lab to the field. In fact, the Delaware group has used this PIAMS, or photoionization, aerosol mass spectrometer to do source apportionment, so to determine in a given aerosol parcel what the sources of those particles might be. So this included both the assignment of the specific particle sources, but they were also able to identify specific chemical classes, such as polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, which are exceptionally sensitive to photoionization, but that, as most of us know, that are also toxic and carcinogenic. Here at the University of Vermont, we've actually taken a slightly different approach, and we've developed a photonic-based soft ionization aerosol mass spectrometer that uses a single laser in the near-infrared region to vaporize and ionize the particles. These particles are sampled through an aerodynamic lens, as all the other aerosol mass spectrometers use, and we collect the particles for very short periods, anywhere from a few seconds to a few minutes, depending on how many particles we have in the atmosphere and we collect them on an aluminum wire probe. We then use a uh, single moderate power near-infrared laser pulse to, again, both vaporize and ionize the particles. And the use of the single laser makes the instrument relatively simple, and it's also rugged, and it's an extremely sensitive instrument because now we have simultaneous vaporization and ionization. To give you an example, detection limits for organic acids, which are a common component in secondary organic aerosols, the detection limits are on the order of about 0.1 to 1 picogram. So that's 10 to the minus 12 grams. And this sensitivity has allowed us to conduct laboratory experiments on secondary organic aerosol formation and aging that under atmospherically relevant concentrations, or what we call loadings, with a time resolution of only several minutes. 
And what this has done is it's permitted us to capture the atmospheric chemical variability of these particles under most circumstances. This particular instrument has gone out in the field once, getting ready for its second voyage, but really the whole field itself is in its infancy in terms of soft ionization. And we hope that in the very near future these instruments will really become commonplace because, again, as I say, the information that they give is complementary to the hard ionization methods that are already out there. So then where do you see the field going in the future? Well, I guess I partially answered that because I do think that we're only beginning to see the power of the soft ionization aerosol mass spectrometry and its potential. For the moment, a lot of studies have come out where these types of instruments have been used in the laboratory, but we're seeing more and more applications in the field. And I'm sure that the increased use of these soft ionization aerosol mass spectrometers is going to provide much better source apportionment because of the improved capabilities for molecular identification that are inherent in this approach. And as their use in the field increases further, I think they're really going to produce significant advances in our understanding of how atmospheric aging changes the molecular composition of organic particles. And one exciting area is going to be to try to delineate and understand the chemical and aging differences between organic aerosols in the pristine regions. There's a huge measurement effort over the Amazon, for example, and those regions that are impacted by anthropogenic forcings that are associated with air pollution. We really can't distinguish or we can't separate organic or biogenic organic aerosols from anthropogenic. I do think that one exciting area is going to be to try to understand what the chemical and aging differences are between pristine regions as, for example, over the Amazon, and those regions that are going to be impacted with anthropogenic forcings that are associated with air pollution. So it's not possible really to separate the two because they're occurring simultaneously in the atmosphere, and one will impact chemically on the other. And these types of studies are likely going to have a broad impact on both atmospheric and environmental chemistry. I think that this is going to include developing an improved understanding of the evolution of toxic components in the organic aerosols as well. So we know that PAHs are toxic or carcinogenic, but the nitrated analogs are even more toxic. And in fact, we may get significant concentrations that result in the atmosphere, again, through the mixing of anthropogenic and biogenic forcings. And these compounds, again, are going to be more of a health hazard than their molecular precursor. So, of course, soft ionization aerosol mass spectrometry has a place in laboratory studies, and it will continue to have a place in laboratory-based studies addressing atmospheric chemistry. And I think both the frequency and the elegance of these experiments is going to increase dramatically over the next few years. And while there has been emphasis on organic aerosol research in the last decade, it still pales in comparison, I think, to the amount of effort that has gone into describing other components of the atmospheric system, such as greenhouse gases and inorganics. So we're still learning new and very surprising fundamental things about organic aerosols. We really are understanding is at a nascent level. For example, there's surmounting evidence that secondary aerosol particles in fact, may not exist in the atmosphere as liquids. Until now, we've tended to treat them purely as liquids. But they may actually exist as solids or semi-solids under certain circumstances, and that has impacts on the atmospheric availability, if you will, to chemical reactivity. And soft ionization aerosol mass spectrometers, then, are going to be very useful 
in describing the chemical composition associated with these phases and phase transition behavior of these particles under atmospheric relevant conditions. And I think at the moment, honestly, that's probably one of the single biggest advances that could really be enhanced by the use of soft ionization aerosol mass spectrometry, of course, in conjunction with other ancillary methods. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So that's all for this month. You'll find the April issue and others on the Analytical Chemistry website at pubs.acs.org ac. We hope you enjoy it.